Hey there, I'm Lucas Fitz. If you know me, you know two things to be true. I love a good pair of denim, and I'm always here for the stories. When I first got into the heritage goods movement and buying intentionally, I looked to American Field as an industry leader in connecting cool brands to cool consumers. There's nothing better than hearing the story behind how a big idea grew into a business. Now, we're bringing it online and inviting you to join in the conversation, whether you're watching or listening along from wherever you call home. I'll be hosting these fireside chats, intimate, personal looks at the inner workings of some of our favorite brands on our AF network. So, sit down, grab a whiskey or coffee or beer, and ride along as we shine the spotlight on real people and real stories. This is AF Fireside. Today's episode is brought to you by The Dairy Block, a vibrant, walkable micro-district in the heart of lower downtown Denver. Experience the Front Range's most inspiring retailers, food and beverage purveyors, and urban office concept alongside the Maven Hotel. Dairy Block, a distinctly crafted destination found. Hey there, welcome back to AF Fireside. Excited, as always, to have you here. Uh, we're talking all things smelly today. We are diving into the world of perfume with Whitney Swales, who is the founder a co-founder of Wit and West, a really great perfumery out of Denver, Colorado. Whitney, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Um, let's just start. I mean, let's just start at the top. Can you give me a rundown of the brand and, and what you do and what makes it what it is? Yeah. Yeah. So Wit and West Perfumes um, is based on, you know, kind of an idea that I'd had in my head for a long time. I'd always wanted to do my own thing and I wasn't quite sure what that was. And, you know, as kind of cliche as this might sound, it was something that was always right in front of my face. Um, I've worked in corporate America for 20 plus years in, uh, you know, financial services. In the last 15 years, I've been in hotels and restaurants um, in finance and marketing leadership roles. But I was always looking to do something kind of on my own, something that I could build, um, you know, as my own brand. And I've always loved perfume, all things fragrant. And I kind of thought about, like, is this something I could do? And I did a little research and I was like, oh, you know, I have to, like, go back and get a chemistry degree. This sounds like probably not something I'm going to be able to do. And then a few years ago, I was talking to my husband and I was like, you know, I think I want to do this and I'm going to figure it out. Um, and he didn't bat an eye and he was like, do it. And so I started doing some kind of self-study, um, you know, around perfume making and trying to figure out like, where do I need to go to really learn this craft? And I initially hadn't set out to do a natural perfume brand, but then as I started doing more research, I was kind of like, you know, maybe this is something that I could really enjoy. Um, something that's a little bit different than, you know, kind of mainstream perfumery. And, um, you know, it felt like there was a lot of passion in the natural perfumery world. Not that there's not in, you know, indie, um, you know, perfumery in general, but that it just seemed like it was, this was kind of a niche that was a little different um, that I could have a place in. And so I started studying under Mandy Oftel um, of Oftelier Perfumes. She's a, a world-renowned natural perfumer. She's kind of like the one who has led the charge, uh, really, from a natural perfumery perspective. Most people weren't doing it 30 years ago um, when she started doing it. And so she's really built her brand around, you know, educating people on it um, in addition to her own brand where she actually sells her own line of perfumes as well. Um, and then I also worked with the Charna FEA of Providence Perfume Company as well, um, studying cool. under her. And then uh, if you're familiar, because you I live am. in that yeah. area. Yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. Um, they both are. And then um, Anya McCoy of uh, the Natural Perfumery Institute. So really wanted to kind of learn from 
the people who had founded this, you know, kind of niche in the industry and learned a lot from them. Um, so spent a few years studying on my own and then also working with them. And then, uh, you know, when I originally told my husband, I'm like, so I have brand name and he's like, what is it? And I'm like, Whitney West. And he's like, I don't get it. <laughs> and I was like, well, my name is Whitney and your last name is Westendorf. Um, his first name's Rob. And he really liked it and it just felt like it fit. Um, and so that's kind of the, the genesis of the name and the brand in general. Very cool. Can you give uh, a brief, uh, you know, entry level description or explanation of what natural perfume versus uh, unnatural probably isn't isn't the word word for it, but uh, yeah. conventional conventional perfume, let's say. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of depends on who you talk to, um, but that's a really good you know point to kind of talk about the differences. And something that Rob tells me all the time and something that I'm learning as we grow this brand is that, and this is exactly what Rob says, as we do these pop-up events um, with AF and, and other, um, you know, pop-up event companies, everyone who's walking up to us is smelling natural perfume for the first time. Sure. Um, it's just not something people know a lot about, or if they do, there's kind of misconceptions tied to it. And I, I can talk a little bit about that in a minute, but to answer your question around what is natural perfume um, natural perfume is really, you know, based on the ingredients in terms of the differentiation between the perfumer's palette that a synthetic perfumer, or I guess you could call it, you know, mainstream perfumery uh, would use, uh, and the palette that's used as a natural perfumer. So some might say I have a limited palette being a natural perfumer, and, and I don't really think so. I've got 300 plus, you know, different raw materials that I work with. Um, Although I would say there's thousands for somebody who's a synthetic perfumer. Um, and typically what a synthetic perfumer would use is maybe some raw materials that are, are naturally der derived ingredients, but also aroma chemicals, which you know, are, are either meant to um, you know, kind of uh, synthesize a natural ingredient or, or they're completely you know, a synthetic material um, mm -hmm. molecule in itself. And so the raw materials that I work with are either um, extracted via distillation, which is probably the thing most people are familiar with. So a lot of things people say to me when they walk up to me is, oh, you just use essential oils in your perfume. And, and it's like, well, sort of, I mean, I do. Yeah. That is right. one of the you know types of ingredients I use, but it's not all of them. It's a very um, simplified. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that. it's because that's just what people know of. Sure. Um, but not all things can be distilled. Um, so there's other methods of extraction. And so other methods would be for things that are more like delicate flowers. So something like jasmine, um, some other kind of more delicate flowers can't actually be distilled. Like they'll just get destroyed in the process. Um, so things like solvent extraction uh, creates an absolute oil or um, CO2 extraction, which is a, a newer kind of process um, is another way to get these materials that at one point, you weren't even able to really extract these materials at all, um, other than using um, some kind of more traditional uh, French perfumery methods that have been around for hundreds of years, like Inflorage, um, which I'm happy to talk about. It's something I'm passionate about and I'm working on um, on my own. But um, you know, some of these older methods kind of went out of style or, or out of favor because they're a little bit more laborious and, and not as cost effective. Um, so, you know, kind of the traditional uh, methods aren't as popular as they once were, and they're a little harder to scale. So typically, you know, most materials that are plant-derived, um, which is what, you know, a natural perfumer's palette would be based on. So whether it's 
resins, flowers, um, you know, spices, woods, things of that nature, all being extracted through one of the methods I just mentioned is kind of the difference between a natural perfumer and then a synthetic perfumer. But I do follow the French perfumery method. So that's based on um, a structure of base, middle, and top notes. Base notes being things that last the longest, three to five hours, potentially longer, depending on the ingredients. So things like sandalwood would be considered a base note, vanilla. Um, middle notes are typically floral. Um, so maybe rose, jasmine, some spices. Um, they don't typically last as long. And then your top notes would be things like citruses, some spices. Um, they're more fleeting, the most volatile of the um, raw materials used. Uh, and they could last anywhere from 30 minutes to maybe up to an hour. Um, so similarities in terms of the process um, and the structure of the perfume uh, between, uh, you know, a, a synthetic perfumer or somebody who maybe does mixed media and then natural perfumery. But it's really just, you know, the division line in my mind comes into play with the ingredients specifically. Interesting. So sounds like you really found the runway and took off. It's not that you, you described this as something that you just said, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. And then mm -hmm. you talk about it like you've figured it out by root of investing a lot of time and energy into understanding it. Sure. And that's like, and that's just the scientific part. We haven't even gotten into the business part. These are like two separate, oh, separate totally. animals. Mm -hmm. um, interesting. This is a cool refresher. I, I had a really close friend a couple of years ago that was, I guess I, I would say obsessed, obsessed with natural perfume. So this oh, is, really? you're, you're tapping some recesses into my mind that, um, <laughs> and, and you speak at such a high scientific level and I'm going to speak uh, like I'm in a middle school locker room, but I remember the only thing I remember about natural perfume now that I'm, now, you know, now I'm remembering it all, but, um, beaver, isn't there, is, can you distill something from beaver? Is that, Oh, Oh, um, I know what you're talking. I, for there's like reason, a, there's like some kind of scent yeah. that comes from beaver, right? Yeah. I think maybe what you're thinking of is civet perhaps. Okay. Um, maybe I, so it's there, not pleasant. <laughs> it's it's yeah. not like a polite thing to talk about, but that's no. what I remember about natural perfume. <laughs> yeah. So. It's, I don't know a ton about the animalic ingredients. Um, sure. They are very prized in perfumery. Um, one of them that a lot of people talk about, and even I think people who don't know a ton about perfume will mention it to me on occasion, which is always fun, is ambergris, which comes from um, a whale. And I hear a lot of variations okay. of how it comes out of the whale, which is always kind sure. of funny. But effectively, yeah. it's um, the whale is uh, kind of regurgitating um for lack wow. of a better word, huh. uh, like food that hasn't been fully processed and cool. um, it floats on the ocean for quite a while and then it washes <laughs> up to shore and it okay. kind of becomes this really prized ingredient in perfumery called ambergris. I've wow. smelled it and it's actually not bad. Um, okay. I haven't for what it is. Yeah, for what it is. I haven't <laughs> necessarily worked with it. Um, civet is another one um, that's sure. an animalic ingredient. There is some kind of... Uh, there is concern around some of these ingredients where there's ways to get it sustainably and there's ways to sure. do it ethically um, without harming the animal. But some of them, there's not. Um, must yeah. care, for example, for example, you actually can't really get it ethically. Um, so, you know, it's one of those kind of gray areas where I'm like kind of interested, but I'm not sure I want to dabble in it just yet. Sure. Um, yeah. That's but, a fun, fun Wikipedia article too. Well, right. you know, I'm, I'm grateful now to have uh, this resource to go back and listen to 
to so I can uh, I can regurgitate more than the beaver glands. I'm glad to know <laughs> glad to know more. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's talk about your your journey becoming an entrepreneur. It sounds like the roles that you were in beforehand probably had a lot of structure to them and was a very clear clear path as to what you had to do next and what the expectations were. And and I also know that feeling where you just really want to I kind of just want to figure it out for myself. I want to see if I can do it and and what that looks like. What was that process like for you? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I am like a very process oriented person. So even though I'm a marketer, I, I have more of a kind of finance brain. I, I grew up in finance. And okay. so then I moved over to marketing later in my life. Um, so I think having that structure has been really helpful for me. And then my husband, Rob, he's an aerospace engineer. So we've got... Wow. A ton of very like, you know, literally um, a rocket scientist. He is actually a rocket scientist. He wow. does work for a rocket company. Um, very so he's cool. been awesome through this whole process. Like his background has been really, really helpful. Hmm. Um, he does everything from being our production uh, manager to our inventory manager. Um, he also does accounting, which is funny because I'm the one with the finance background, but, huh. cool. um, and he does the artwork for our boxes. He actually paints all of the paintings for our boxes. Um, but yeah, I think wow. both of our backgrounds have been really great in kind of getting this business off the ground and, um, you know, really thinking through it from a methodical kind of standpoint. Um, and what's interesting too is, is Rob is a very um, brand centric person. Um, he is the steward of our brand and he's always kind of keeping me on this path of authenticity and saying like, hey, Whitney, is that really being authentic to our brand? And that's kind mm -hmm. of how we decide all of our decisions are kind of based on, you know, is that being authentic to who we are and who we want to be? Um, and so that process has been really great to like have a, a partner kind of help me think through all of these different things. Totally. What would you say has been the hardest point in, in your growth so far and, and what strategies you use to overcome that? And I think before you answer that, can you start with how long you've had, how long the company has been around for? Oh yeah, that's a good point. Um, we launched in January of 2021. Okay, so, cool. Oh, cool. Not a year yet, almost a year though. Very cool. When did the idea start cooking? It started cooking about three years ago when okay. I started doing the, um, you know, studying under different natural perfumers and then cool. the self-study. Um, and then I really spent, you know, the next couple of years after that, like building out my um, product line for our signature collection perfumes, um, which have 10 perfumes in that line. So that wow. took quite a while to kind of. Yeah, that's that's not a good work. Yeah, that, yeah that takes exactly. Time. Yeah. Very cool. Cool. So, so let's look at that whole span of time from, from the genesis of the idea to now. Um, can you identify a, a difficult point in the growth of your company and what you did about it? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's been more, um, not so much in the beginning in terms of kind of figuring out the, you know, financial structure, the legal structure, all of that stuff, figuring out the trademarks has been a little bit longer in terms of, uh, you know, how long that has taken than I really mm -hmm. wanted to take, um, but not a huge pain point for me. I think actually what's been more um, challenging to me, and I don't know that I thought it would be, but I think it's just a, a thing I'm learning over time and we're evolving it, is really understanding this education piece, which you and I just talked about a couple minutes totally. ago, and that's, that you know, how do you convey to the customer what your product is in a way that you can distill pretty quickly um, you know, whether you're face to face with somebody or whether it's through social media or on your website. And that's just a, a thing I think I'm going to have to continually evolve over time sure. um, because people, 
smell natural perfume and, and, and if they've never smelled it before, it's not something that they can recognize, you know, right away. And so finding a way to kind of show people through storytelling, you know, what natural perfume is and why it can be special and the evolution of the perfume on your skin over time is actually quite beautiful and not something that is negative is something that I think I'm, I'm just learning, right? Um, mm -hmm. One of the differences with synthetic perfume is that they're really made to, you know, last for hours and hours and hours and, and kind of sure. stay the same. Yeah. And that's fine. It's just, it's just not what natural perfumes are, right? They just don't do that because they're natural. And so they, they just have kind of a different wearability to them, um, you know, than synthetic perfumes do. And, and they, and they smell a little different, honestly, like sure. a lot of the perfumes that are on the market um, are made with ingredients that just don't exist in nature. Right. And so you just aren't going to smell the exact same natural perfumes as you would with synthetic. And sure. so that education and, you know, Kind of tapping into um you know people's uh uh I, I don't know if, if creative curiosity is the way to think about it but trying to tap into another side of people and, and and get people to kind of see like oh you know like things that you haven't experienced before can actually be really beautiful and and yeah you know, changing that perspective is just something that's it's takes time right like how do you For how do you sure. do that in a way that you can do it Kind of quickly and you can kind of reach the right audience who is open to trying different things is, is something that we're you know still kind of learning about yeah that's like a that's a phenomenon that is i think is is not dissimilar to a lot of other industries and i i immediately think about the kind of jeans that i like to wear and how i you know how i can justify that spending 300 plus dollars on a pair of pants makes sense right it's a, the value proposition and mm -hmm. and I am very lucky being, you know, tied to the AF uh, network of brands and and a lot of personal friends that either have interest in natural perfumery or or have you know have sold it before, you know, a whole bunch of different different angles. Um, when I smell it, you know, it's, it, this isn't the stuff you get at Sephora. Maybe maybe you could, but this isn't the kind of conventional stuff that you get at the mall kiosk. And right. the, the more time that you spend around the natural stuff, the more the rest smells like some combination of like Axe body spray and gasoline. You're, you're <laughs> absolutely right. And it, it's, it's funny that you say it that way. And it's, that's a good way to kind of think about it is, you know, it, our stem memory is very much tied to our limbic system. And so it is very rooted in your kind of thinking day to day. Right. And mm -hmm. so, when you talk about something that people haven't really smelled, which is so funny to think about, like you, that you haven't smelled natural perfume, you're like, oh, wait, there, sure. I, I exist in nature. So how is that possible? But right, yeah. people have it. And so when you're so used to synthetic smelling, you know, whether it be body products to your point or whether it be cleaning products, you don't even really think about it. Right. And, and as you start to smell what things that are, you know, natural cleaning products or natural perfumes or whatever smell like, you do start to see that kind of difference. But it takes some time to kind of see what that experience is like and understand it. And yeah, I think it's just, it's an evolution. It's a kind of an educational thing, like I said before. Um, but sure. yeah, you're right. It's not, it's not like smelling something from Sephora. It's not like smelling something like Axe bodies. Yeah. All. It's a totally different experience. And I think that you're, I mean, it's, it's no different than old Navy pants versus, you know, something from a small maker. We're, we're conditioned to buy and, and consume these things. Mm -hmm. But For sure. I, I, 
in doing a little bit of research on on Wit and West beforehand and checking out the website and the socials and, and getting to know you a little bit over the last couple of weeks before we even sat down and talked here, I, I could pick up the really uh, technical scientific approach that you and Rob take to, to things. Would I have guessed that you had had all this, uh, all of this like formal training and that Rob was a rocket scientist? No, I would not have guessed that. But a really technical, uh, really technical understanding and technical approach. And I think that must play into the success, right? That must play into what, into what works. It's, it's who you are. It's authentic to who you are. I wonder, and, and maybe it's too fresh to have had this experience yet, but um, when I think about perfume and I think about smell, and, and this is a little bit tapping into the ethos of that friend that I had that was really into natural perfume a couple of years ago, uh, it's very personal. It's very, oh, very sure. personal. And mm-hmm. you think about the times that you opt to use a product like that. And it's to, you know, it's, it's around a, a, emotional responses, right? It's around going on a date or uh, mm-hmm. something that reminds you of a smell of a family member that's passed away, right? It, there's, it's a very emotional, uh, it's an art, it's an art form, you know, and that's an For interesting sure. dichotomy with this scientific approach. How does it make you, Whitney, as a person, right? And this is like, not even through the lens of Whitney, the entrepreneur, Whitney as a person, what, what does it feel like to have, uh, to play a, a personal part in the lives of the people that have chosen to consume your product? Yeah, it, that's interesting that you say that, um, you know, kind of thinking through how do I think about the brand and, and you know, everything that we do, we are very tied to know experiences that we've had and that's kind Mm -hmm. of how I design the perfume so you'll see that we have perfumes that are named things that are tied to um, places that we visited so Gavitella is a beach um, in Italy in the Amalfi coast um, Priano and that was really tied to my experience there and you know kind of how I've like encountered it from a sensory perspective an olfactory perspective and you know Telling that story is really like integral to, um, you know, how we convey each of our perfumes to consumers um, or people who potentially would want to buy our perfumes. And so when I see people do reviews and and they kind of feel that same experience, that's like very special to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, you totally felt it. And that's really Mm -hmm. what I'm looking to do is to give you that kind of picturesque experience from, you know, an olfactory perspective. And that's the thing that's so cool about our sense of smell is that you can smell something and have this scent memory and be like transported there, which is really, really interesting. Sure. None, of, none of our other senses can quite do that uh, as vividly as your sense of smell can. So that's something I really love. And, you know, you mentioned also that we use this very like, you know, kind of scientific approach to perfumery, but I will tell you it's incredibly like iterative. Um, mm-hmm. And also, you know, it is an art form to your point as well. So um there's a kind of element that can't be done with, uh, you know, kind of the scientific process for sure. And that, that, that part is fun. It can be challenging because you get a little bit of writer's block. You get a little mm-hmm. bit of you know, kind of an artistic block from time to time. And, you know, those are the perfumes that I kind of shelf temporarily and I come back to later. Um, and that's just kind of how it goes. Um, I might have an idea in my mind and, and it works out. And then other things that will take, a really long time. I've got perfumes I've been working on for over a year. Um, but I think that's okay. Um, I think it's, it's more about putting out something that I feel really good about. And that I feel like will really show people, you know, the story that I'm trying to tell and that they'll really be able to connect with it. Um, and so I try really hard not to do anything that I don't feel 
really strongly about and that I feel like, you know, isn't quite there. I wouldn't put it out. Mm -hmm. Sounds like uh, even in, in the short time that you've been on the ground, you've figured a lot out. I think that's, (laughs) that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm interested to see how the, how this dichotomy of, you know, a, a real not that's not to say that there isn't the artistic, but and I have not yet smelt a Wit and West fragrance yet. I will, I will soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I can tell it's a scientific mind. You know, it's not to say that there mm-hmm. isn't that there isn't the appreciation of the art. I, you can tell in the way that it's presented that there's a balance of the two. But I, I, I think, you know, if I was a if I was a betting man, I'd bet on that horse. You know, I think that 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 uh, balance is probably pretty key. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from knowing that my mind works the complete opposite way, <laughs> right? Coming from, uh, w- you know, uh, one side of my family is very, very business oriented. One side of my family is very, very uh, artistic and, and centered around uh, artistic experiences. And I, I just know it takes a, it takes a balance. I haven't nailed it yet, but um, yeah, for I think, sure. I think good, good, good things are going to come. Cool. Well, where's the best place uh, other than the upcoming Denver pop-up market on the first weekend of December? Where's the best place for folks that want to learn more about the brand to keep in touch? Yeah, I mean, certainly, um, you know, on Instagram uh, at, at Witten West, um, our website is wittenwest.com. Um, we do other events as well, and we're kind of trying to fill that out and see, you know, what are good events for us to be at. Um, we've got actually like four coming up. I'm Lucas Fitz, and this is AF Fireside. To learn more about all the brands featured on the podcast, check out fireside.shopaf.co. And don't forget to subscribe to us on your streaming platform of choice. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by the Dairy Block, a vibrant, walkable micro district in the heart of lower downtown Denver. Experience the front ranges most right, well, inspiring well, one, retailers, one last food, question and beverage purveyors, urban office concept okay. alongside we don't know each other hotel. super well yet. We follow Dairy each other on Instagram for a little while. crafted destination um, found. Without, without knowing too much, what, what fragrance would you suggest I check out first? Um, you know, I would actually think, and I'm just guessing, but I think yeah. you might yeah, no like... No wrong answer. <laughs> I think you might like Brumaire Woods. Um, so this is a fougere. Uh, a fougere is a very um, classic French perfume. Um, it's kind of based on a fantasy accord. Uh, in this case, um, because we use natural ingredients, it's actually not necessarily a fantasy. They are actually, you know, natural raw materials. Sure. Um, but it has uh, featured ingredients that include lavender, thyme, mint, um, oak moss, which gives it kind of a vintage vibe, um, makes cool. it a, a bit more masculine, um, okay. as well as tobacco. Though interesting nice. that they say uh, a little more masculine, because honestly, I find that both men and women really love it. Um, but yeah, that's one of our most popular fragrances, and it's like a cool. great fall scent, great for winter. Okay. Awesome. That's that's the time. It's the best time. <laughs> yeah. Last comment on perfume. That's the coolest thing is that it's, it can be so unisex and it's so sure. not when it's mainstream, mm-hmm. but I agree. the natural, the natural, uh, natural industry or natural niche really nails that in a way that the apparel industry just has not yet. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Y'all are pioneers in, in, <laughs> in space and land. I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, crazy. Whitney, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us. Look forward to meeting in Denver and smelling all the good stuff soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Awesome. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye.